Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you. As was mentioned, uh, my wife has been up here a couple times in the last year, and uh, now I got to make the trip down. Fortunately, I got the Sunday where um, you lose an hour of sleep. And so coming from Kitchener wasn't so bad, but I sure could have used that extra hour. I was greeted in the the, the foyer here by a fine gentleman who said, Are you here to candidate for our new pastor? (laughs) And I'm like, Sabrina did not tell me that. That sneaky girl. But uh, no, I am with MV Mission. So the Mennonite Brethren Global Mission. Uh, We are... Um, Many of you know uh, the work that God is doing around the world, bringing together church families from 20 to 30 nations to love God and to love people, to glorify him and to reach out to people in need. The mission of the church is happening from everywhere to everywhere. It It is Christians active in mission. An MB mission is uh, uh, the, uh, the, the organization of the MB church that helps Christian lives, Christians live missionally, that helps churches engage globally, th- that helps raise up a new generation of disciples that want to take the gospel into the heart of the city and into the ends of the earth. We are about sending workers into our nation into our neighborhoods, and around the world. We're sending workers on one mission, to love God and to love others. Whether you're 14 years old, going on a trip to Soar Montreal, and learning the basics of mission in a, in a program we run every summer, or whether you're 40-something, and you're shifting careers, and you're moving your family overseas to plant the gospel... We have many candidates that met this last week who are shifting their lives from Ontario to Germany, from Winnipeg to South America, from California to China. Just this last week, new workers are being discerned, affirmed, and sent. And as a family of churches, we send new workers who make disciples, um, who make disciples and plant churches. Because when we worship here and love God and love others, and they worship there and love God and love others, the whole world can be reached. Unfortunately, there are regions in this world where there are no churches. There are regions in this world where there are no believers. So how do we plant a family in Central Asia where they're the only believers among a million people? How do we train up people who will be disciples from our churches that will catch God's heart for the regions of the world where there are no believers, the least reached places in the world? And then what kind of support structure is needed to care for that family as they turn the soil of the kingdom in parts of the world where there are no pastors to support, no churches to encourage, no Christian social agencies to get involved with, they're the only ones. MB Mission is training people 
to bring God's good news everywhere, from everywhere to everywhere. And you know this. Um, you know this uh, as we plant churches, and you've been a part of it, and you're giving and you're praying. And you also know this because you're starting to follow the story of Burundi. Burundi, a nation right beside Rwanda in Central Africa. Doug and Deanna Hebert, who come out of these neighborhoods that your church is getting behind to love this family, to support them, and to pray for them as they build capacity of the local church in Central Africa. I had the privilege of being there just a month ago, uh, walking alongside uh, Doug and Deanna, and to learn firsthand what it means to be a capacity builder. So if MB Mission is going to parts of the world where no believers, that's one function. And then if the MB Church is going to parts of the world where there are believers, that's another function. That's a capacity-building role. That's a facilitator, consultant role to help the church increase their capacity to do mission. And churches in Ontario help put roofs on these huts as the families gathered and laid brick so they no longer have to crowd into small straw huts that catch on fire during the night. Increasing the global church's capacity to do mission from everywhere to everywhere. And that's, how, that's Doug and Deanna's role in Central Africa, and that is how, who you are following. Here's a little video clip of, from last month. We sat with 15 new believers, new believers, 15 people who spent most of their lives sitting in dirt with a hand outstretched, begging for a little food, begging for money. The Batwa people of Burundi are the lowest on the social scale, and they're the poorest, some of the poorest people in the world. But the Burundian church is reaching out to the lowest of the low. And these beautiful people stood up in front of us. This Odetta girl who, who, who wobbled up to the front um, because she's mostly crippled and significantly handicapped. And she said, with tears flowing down her face, I spent most of my life begging for daily food. And then these pastors brought me the word of the Lord. And I discovered the love of Jesus and who I was as a child of God. And so I started to meet with these people. And we're helping each other to save a little bit of money every day. And we are, we are learning to serve rather than just beg. I have a few chickens now. And I'm working up to my first goat. <laughs> and God is lifting her out of poverty. In a program that Doug works with called Discipleship for Development. Where a poverty response and a discipleship response goes hand in hand. And where people discover who they are as children of God. And they are not destined to beg for the rest of their lives. But the joy of the Lord on these people's faces. A street kid, Timothy, who lived in the Curlvet for five years probably. Until a Burundian leader who has a new heart to reach out to the lowest of the low, 
came and started reading the Bible with him and teaching him French by reading the Bible. And within a month or two, Timothy became a believer in Jesus. And now he's being prepared to teach the Bible at a Bible school. And God is lifting people out of poverty by reminding them who they are and then inviting them into a family that sees um, them being uh, established to become people who love God and love others and not just beg on a street corner and receive all kinds of abuse. A beautiful work in Burundi. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. And that is what your church is beginning to follow. As you pray and you give to the work of Burundi, they are transforming lives among the least reach. And people are encountering Jesus and being forever changed, spiritually, economically, relationally. That's good news, my friends. That's the gospel. We want to look at scripture today. We want to look at Jesus who portrays himself, presents himself, and invites us to have an encounter with Jesus. We want to look at Matthew 31, uh, 25, verse 31. You may want to turn to it if you have a Bible nearby. I'm going to read it in just a few moments. But it's a very interesting passage of encountering Jesus. In different ways. And I want to present to you this morning that each of us, whether we're 14, 14, 80, or someone turning 93 this week, we can still encounter Jesus in multiple ways. And Jesus presents three encounters through this scripture that we want to look at. What does it mean to encounter Jesus in the past, present, in the future, and who is this Jesus that we will all encounter one day? This is a picture of the final judgment, as titled in my scripture, which is a bit anonymous to read. <laughs> but it's also a scripture that's well-known, but also uncommon. So may the Lord teach us today through it. But when the Son of Man comes, in all his glory... And all the angels with him. Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate people as a, separate, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And we have the setting. And then the king will say to those on his right. Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. And I was in prison, and you were the ones who visited me. Then these righteous ones would reply, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. 
When you did to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison? When did we not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal judgment, eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. It's quite a dramatic scene. Quite a powerful moment in time. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his throne and he'll gather the nations to his presence and he'll he'll gather all things before him. So imagine Jesus sitting on his throne, gathering all humanity from the past and present and the future. Gathering all things before him, angels and demons. Imagine his majesty sitting in authority over all created things. Imagine this Jesus who wants us to encounter him on that day. This Jesus who we will all encounter that day. This Jesus that all created things will encounter one day. Is this the Jesus that we serve? Is this the Jesus that directs our lives? I don't know what picture of Jesus you have, but I grew up in a church like this, and it was mostly a a flannel graph Jesus on a cloud or dividing fish. And uh, that's the image that sticks in your head if you were, you know, raised in the church in the 60s and 70s. Maybe it was um, a different Jesus for you. Maybe he was on a skateboard, or maybe he's carrying a coffee press. But I don't know what Jesus you have in your mind when you serve him. But Jesus wants us to know today who he really is. And Jesus presents to the audience in Matthew... Who he really is. Says the son of man. A direct link to Daniel. And a direct link to, to Revelations. That says um, in Daniel he says. The son of man will come in the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient and was led into the presence. And he will give authority, honor. Sorry. And he was given authority, honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. So that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. This is our Jesus. Amen? In Revelations, it says, On that day, the, dead, the, the, the grave will give up their dead. The, the oceans will give up their dead. And they will all stand before this Jesus. I'm making an emphasis in this part. Because frankly... How does this image of Jesus direct how we live? 
Or do the other images of Jesus direct how we live? And the three, and the Jesus here, and Jesus we want to encounter, it's hard for me to see, there we go, is this transcendent Jesus. Whoops. This transcendent Jesus. We will all encounter the transcendent Jesus on that final judgment day. How will it be like for you and me? In fact, our salvation and our eternity is dependent on that encounter and what happens that encounter and what we do with Jesus. This vision of the second coming and, and, and this transcendent Jesus. What really counts in that moment? What do we learn from the scripture? Let's look at encountering another Jesus. Because before the second coming, there was the first coming. Hallelujah. Jesus came in a manger among the lowest of his society and was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're more familiar with the human Jesus, the incarnate Jesus on earth. And Jesus came to pay the price for our sin and to show us how to live. Jesus walked this earth to show us how to live and to die on a cross and pay the price for our sin and to save those that will put their trust in him so that on that final day, he'll say, enter into your rest. On that final day, he will say, um, enter into eternal life. And so we have the first coming of great significance and how we encounter Jesus. So how did you encounter Jesus in his first coming? And have you allowed him to forgive you of your sin? And have you allowed him to show you how to live? And the Gospels show us how Jesus lived. And we'll hear more on that in a moment. In some of my research, I came across... Um, Daryl Goddard, a regent, regent, uh, professor at Regent, and he makes an excellent point that there's a first coming that we're aware of, and there's a second coming that we're kind of aware of. But there's another coming that this passage um, wants to emphasize. There's this middle coming, and it's possible to encounter Jesus in this middle coming between the first and the second. And it's important to encounter Jesus. It's crucial to encounter Jesus in this middle coming. That, uh, that this imminent Jesus means his imminence, his presence. Uh, not almost coming, but he's here now. And where is Jesus today? And where does this passage describe where Jesus is today? And if we were going to find, go out and find Jesus, where would we find him? 
in this middle coming where he comes to us today, it's important that each of us encounter him and that each of us respond to him. Because encountering Jesus successfully is crucial in his first coming, his middle coming, and his second coming. We find Jesus among the hungry, among the thirsty, among the naked, among the lonely, among the sick, and those in prison. We find Jesus among those who have great need. Frankly, these are the people we often judge for not having their life together, for making bad decisions. These are the people that we rise above because of our own success. And if anything, we might help them with some of our, our, our pity. And of course, many of us help them with true heart that Jesus has formed in us. But these, these people are the suffering. The least of these. Jesus is not specifically identifying um, the poor. And that, that's the only place where he is to be encountered. Or those in prison. And the only place where he's to be encountered. He is, encount- he is present among the suffering. So why don't we join him? We look for him in our churches and in our choirs. And yes, he inhabits the praise of his people. But this passage says, I'm present today among the suffering. Come and meet me there. Bold words from Matthew 25. Perhaps Mother Teresa says it best. I have to do this. We all long for heaven where God is. But we have it and the power to be in heaven right now. To be happy with him this very moment. But being happy with him now means loving as he loves, helping as he helps, giving as he gives, serving as he serves, and touching him in his distressing disguise. That Jesus is wearing a distressing disguise because he is a part of the least of these. He's among those that are, are dirty or uneducated or rejected or sick or in prison. Have we encountered Jesus in his distressing disguise, in this middle coming? Do we orient our life to find him in those places? How Jesus lives among The least of these. How do we how do you know the human Jesus and responded to him? The imminent Jesus, where he is active today. And the transcendent will determine how we encounter the transcendent Jesus on that final day of judgment. I'd like to tell you a beautiful story of young adults and adults 
who are going to the least of these. Just like we saw in Burundi, among the Batwa people, the poorest of the poor. There's been a movement of people who are going to places where the government says you should not go because they can't guarantee your security. That's where Jesus is. We're going to places where their travel insurance says, "Uh uh-uh, you're not insured. But these believers are like, but there are people there. (laughs) And Jesus is there. So I guess I'm going uninsured. Disciples who have a missional heart to be the presence of Jesus among the least of these. For the last two summers, we have been involved in something called Building Leaders for Peace. And it's a gathering of Christians and Muslims in this scenario in Turkey and Iraq. It's a gathering of people who are victims of war and weary of violence. It's a gathering of people who want to see peace in their world because they've only experienced the opposite of peace. And there is a network of Christians that want to show peace and build peace and live among the least of these. We're bringing these people, we're bringing young adults and adults to form community and friendship on those who've just crossed the border from Syria or those who've just run from their um, ISIS-invaded towns in northern Iraq. Here's one story. It was a very beautiful village. We had uh, 900 families there, all of them Christian. And when ISIS occupied this village, all the families went to the north of Iraq. It is destroyed uh, 80%. We have to, to, to start from, the, from zero. This village used to be full of life, teeming with families, a very vibrant community. Now it's, uh, it's a ghost town. We're seeing the effects of war in the physical structures of these houses and these communities. We've also spent the last few days listening to hundreds of stories of uh, people that have been affected by the war. Yazidis, Kurds, Assyrians, they're tired of war. of all of their pain, the wounding that they've experienced, um, we're hearing uh, their desire for peace and for restoration. We should take the first step to move on because it's not enough only to discuss and talk about peace, 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 forgiveness, collaboration. We have to show it. We must forgive. And I'm already forgive people who killed my cousin, and five members of my family. When you hear people choosing to release their natural desire to take revenge, you realize that something more powerful than violence is being expressed in this region, and that is the shalom, the forgiveness of God. People 
In the name of Jesus, bringing peace to the least of these, those who are suffering. People who are choosing to be active in places that are difficult. Because it's difficult to visit those in prison. You have to go to them. It's difficult to visit the hungry. You have to find them. It's difficult to bring clothing to the, to the naked. Because they're not normally right in front of you. There's so much about going in this passage. And standing with and finding Jesus among the suffering. We had this moment in, in northern Iraq where we were telling our stories and their stories of pain. And if you know anything about the Yazidi story, it's a story of ISIS exterminating villages. And Saddam Hussein before them because they're a non-Muslim group in a Muslim country. And all these people have had their families um, destroyed and the houses burned and their mothers and aunts sold into slavery. And we created a community with them, a kingdom community where they could tell their story and have someone to cry with where they could, where they could be known for who both the pain and the other things of their lives. We had this moment where God's love broke out and we could speak truth into each person's life and speak blessing over each person's life. And at one point, this young man uh, stood up with a sign and just held it above us for like 10, 15 minutes as other things were going on. Dear Christians who've come, from long distance away to plant peace flowers in our lands. We do welcome you on this land. We like sharing our thoughts with you. You are a piece of us now, and we are the same to you. If that's not an invitation to go, I don't know what is. If that's not an affirmation that Jesus calls us to those who are suffering, around the world in crazy places and around our cities, to be present with him and to offer the goodness that we have about being in families of love and grace and servanthood and peace, that we give away the gifts, these gifts that we house in our families, in our churches, in our youth groups, in our time schedules and in our bank accounts that we give away the grace of God to where it's most needed and see no one out of touch from the good news of the gospel let's not be surprised on that day let's engage Jesus in his love for the suffering let's not be surprised because our hearts are hard and our focuses are elsewhere and our, and our pride is high and our greed is deep. Let's not be surprised. Let's not hear these words from Jesus. Because then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation 
of the world enter into your rest. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we come before you and we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he taught us how to live and he saved us from our sin. Jesus, thank you for coming to us as a baby king and as a leader and as a savior. And Jesus, we join you today. We join you these days. We, we seek you and we find you. And we reorient our lives to be with you among today's suffering, both here and around the world. And God, we give you glory, because on that day, you will sit in authority over all things. All created things will bow before you. And you will separate the righteous and the unrighteous, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the ghost. Choose us, Lord Jesus, for blessing. Choose us for rest. And we choose you today. We choose you today. To live as you lived. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the word of the Lord speak to us today. May we um, join the work of the Lord here and around the world. And bring the change that only the good news of the gospel can bring. As people uh, go out in Jesus' name. Amen. Church.ca